Did you miss our inaugural CBP Connects workshop in St. Louis? There is still time to grab your spot for our Norfolk, Virginia event this September 12th to 14th. Attendees in St. Louis described it as intimate, intentional, and enlightening. Join us this September in Virginia for three days of nonstop networking and education. Learn more at cbpconnects.com. That's cbpconnects.com. See you there. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome uh, to this webinar on understand the current economic environment and your brewery. Um, I'm excited to be presenting this data to you and uh, to have uh, this discussion as we talk through kind of current economic trends, what that means for your brewery, uh, and how to best use this data and information to uh, position your brewery in the right place going forward. Uh, my name is Josh Lance. I am the founder and managing director of Lance CPA Group. Uh, we're a fully virtual and remote uh, CPA practice that works with craft breweries across the country, um, doing accounting, bookkeeping, tax, payroll, and other uh, consulting services for our brewery clients. Uh, and so I'm really excited to kind of talk through this because I know this is a question we're getting a lot from our client base of uh, how do we best position ourselves? How do we deal with the uh, current economic environment and what should we be doing in our brewery as we uh, go forward here? So. Um, so really excited to present this here to you all today. Uh, kind of our agenda and what this is going to look like. Um, I'm going to go over some data points here uh, first, kind of looking over what that current economic situation is um, by the data that is existing out there. Um, and this data is current here as of uh, July 31st uh, is the, the most recent fresh data we have for this. So um, this gives us a really good picture, especially as we get into comes on the August data and what's looking uh, forward from here, uh, what that looks like uh, and what we should do about that as a brewery, um, how we're going to, how that really impacts breweries in, in general, and then what we can do as a brewery uh, to best position ourselves because um, it can be very easy when you have, you know, maybe some gloomy economic data out there uh, to not want to do anything or kind of to retreat a little bit, but there's actually a lot of opportunities you can do um, to really position your brewery in the right way, in the right light going forward here. So I'm uh, really excited to be talking with you today. Um, so let's dive into this uh, current economic environment. Um, and a lot of the data that I'm presenting here comes from Gusto, which is a uh, payroll software company. Um, and they're obviously looking at a lot of data that they see from all their uh, customers uh, and, the, and what they're seeing come through, as well as macroeconomic data here, too. So, um, you know, right now, you know, their big question is, are we in a recession? Uh, is a recession looming? What's happened here? Um, you know, there is kind of mixed signals going on right now, right? So there's some good things happening, there's some bad things happening, there's some kind of in-between things happening here. Um, and so that kind of creates a kind of a really unique situation that we really haven't seen, uh, you know, in kind of the current, uh, you know, in the academic environments that we've had uh, of recent past. And so uh, on the good end of things, right, the labor market is actually pretty strong. Um, you know, there is a lot of job opportunities and, and, and people hiring, which is good. There's less, you know, people looking for jobs and we'll dive into some of that, that detail there. And obviously, I think you may have even seen that in your own brewery as you're struggling to hire people or retain folks, uh, in the brewery, um, you know, what that looks like, uh, you know, and there is some, you know, potential softening here, but overall, like labor is actually pretty good. And so. Uh, in a recessionary environment, you start to see a real kind of downturn in the labor market. We're not quite seeing that yet. Um, and part of that can be due to just the amount of demand of labor and the lack of supply. 
um, is causing that. We're not in that inverse situation uh, currently. Uh, the kind of the middle of the road uh, thing where it's not quite good and not quite bad is consumer demand. Um, you know, we're seeing good spending um, from uh, consumers, but the consumer sentiment's also really poor. So you have this kind of dichotomy of consumers expecting things to be bad, um, but they're not actually showing that with their pocketbook. And so um, spending is still high, although that kind of can be remain to be seen here. Uh, a lot of that comes from savings that uh, those customers may have had uh, and really trying to, um, you know, they may be using that up at this point. And then finally, kind of the macro conditions aren't as good, right? So obviously high, per, high inflation, persistent inflation, um, that's been significant. And obviously as a brewery, you're feeling that in uh, your own purchasing power uh, and and trying to then deal with that in the inverse of trying to then sell to consumers uh, when the market is a little shaky. Um, so lots of uncertainty at play here as a result there. Uh, some improvement uh, in, in in recent, but still kind of kind of a struggle. Um, and so that creates some of these mixed signals here. So we're going to deep dive into this a little bit um, more. So um, and this is data from Gusto and from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics here, um, where they're looking at job openings and kind of labor force. And, um, you know, what's really interesting here is number of job openings is the most significant it's ever been. Um, so, you know, not only do we have the situation of, um, you know, people trying to find staff, it's it's kind of pervasive across the board. And it's the worst it's ever been from that standpoint, right? There's a lot of, lot of job openings. Uh, a lot of roles to be filled, not a lot of um, people to fill those roles, right? And so uh, there can be a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is some people just have determined if kind of take themselves out of the workforce. Um, so especially with the pandemic that, you know, caused a lot of life changes for certain people. And so they may have decided, you know what, I'm going to you know, pull back from the workforce or, uh, you know, change career paths or do something different. Uh, and that's caused a lot of job openings that can't be filled. Um, you know, you also, you know, run into a situation of a lot of businesses were kind of propped up and supported by uh, government stimulus over the last couple of years where businesses may have failed but didn't um, uh, due to the stimulus. Uh, even in normal times, they may have failed. And so you may have, we have some zombie businesses running where um, they're still kind of spending through that stimulus, which means they're still having job openings and things to be filled, but their business, you know, besides that that cash influx they had um, isn't, you know, very stable or safe. Um, but even looking at the civil, civilian labor force here too, right? You know, we're kind of back to pre-pandemic levels here, right? So um, we're seeing that kind of growth in businesses, but the labor force is really just back to where it was at the, you know, at the beginning of 2020. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're kind of recovered from the pandemic, but there's still a lot going on. And so um, that leads to a lot of businesses struggling and hiring and a lot of businesses trying to get the right people in the door uh, and having a hard time doing that uh, as a result here. And uh, this graph doesn't didn't come across the screen all that well, but I'll kind of explain it a bit. Um, basically looking at different industries, different industries are affected differently, right? And so uh, leisure and hospitality industries where, um, you know, you know, breweries are kind of fit in there as well as wholesale and retail. Uh, you know, we're seeing, you know, a lot more job openings and not a lot of people who are unemployed looking for jobs, which creates this kind of gap where like that gap won't be filled, right? And um, if you look at that bar chart, the second to last on the bottom there uh, is that leisure and hospitality. And you see such a big gap and dichotomy there of 
um, so many job openings, very few people looking for jobs in that industry, um, which creates a base situation where there'll be a lot of jobs that will just not be filled, right? So uh, when it comes to hiring, you're competing against a lot of people uh, for very limited labor force. And so, you know, those people who are looking for jobs is really kind of a um, buyer's market there um, because they can really go and compare, okay, who's giving me the best deal, who's going to pay the most, who has the better benefit package or uh, the better culture uh, in that business. And so, um, you know, that obviously has a big struggle for breweries and we're seeing that across our client base. We're hiring as hard. And uh, I would say vast majority of our breweries, they're all have now, uh, hiring signs or help wanted signs in the windows, looking for staff to work in the brewery, work in the tap room, uh, even in sales positions, uh, because it is highly competitive there. And uh, and if you're an employee, you can have your kind of pick of the litter of where you want to go um, as a result. And then that, that creates that, um, not only that that issue there, but it also increases uh, higher wage um, prices as well. And so uh, not only we're dealing with inflationary with kind of the goods market, we're dealing with it also in the labor market as well, um, because now there is more dollars needed to get that same labor um, as in the past. Uh, and this also kind of comes across in the the kind of uh, um, confidence rating uh, that Gusta looks at when they look at uh, quits and voluntary terminations. So, um, you know, as of kind of right now, that number uh, is kind of high um, as far as, you know, uh, the quit rates and uh, things like that. So uh, for quits and voluntary terminations, meaning the employee has decided to end that employment relationship, not the employer. Um, you know, it's basically 4.2% of employees um, are in that situation, right? So there's a lot of churn that just comes from that. Um, and again, employees are going to be more willing to quit because they can find better opportunities very easily. Um, and even laid off employees, you know, where, where there's less of that, you know, kind of layoff activity, um, they're getting picked up easily too. And so, again, that just creates this, uh, this big cycle here in the labor market as a result. Um, and then we also have the hourly wage, um, wages increasing as well, right? So, um, again, this is from Gusto's data. So they look at all the companies that, that use Gusto for the payroll services, much like you, know, you hear about ADP's payroll data reports. Um, this is very similar. Uh, and they're seeing a very rapid increase here in uh, in average hourly earnings. So um, that rate is now is up to $32.70 uh, per hour. Now this looks at everybody, right? So that also can get, you know, people who are making six figures and things like that. But um, you're seeing this big increase, you know, year over year uh, as a result, which is pretty significant, right? And, um, you know, even with wages only rising 5.1% last year and inflation's, you know, nine-ish percent, right? Um, that's still not even tracking to inflation at this point too. So um, that number is going to be expected to increase here over time as a result. Um, there is an uptick in layoffs. Um, I think one of the things that happens in a environment like we're in right now, if you're a business um, and you are trying to kind of right size the business or kind of reorganize um, it, you know, you're seeing a lot more people doing that layoff activity as a result there um, where they're saying, all right, hey, we're willing to lay people off because we're changing uh, how we're operating or we're, you know, worried about the future. And so we're going to be more proactive now. Um, which I don't know if you know, we'll get into this a little bit later is is the right strategy. And, and in fact, that may be the wrong strategy given how tight the labor market is right now. 
um, you know, letting people go as a kind of precursor to a potential economic environment in the future uh, may actually hurt you more than it helps you, uh, even though you see that big cost number and say, well, I can try to reduce that there. Um, that may not be the best result because as we're seeing, again, there's just so much demand for, for workers right now. So what does this mean, right? So um, talent market will eventually get better, right? They'll eventually get there, but um, it's still a struggle and will be a struggle for foreseeable future here, right? So um, you're going to have to compete to get good candidates in, right? What, and that could go from anywhere from, you know, an entry-level job at your brewery to a more highly seasoned job, right? Like, um, you know, people want... Uh, you know, more things, you have to compete for that, right? So uh, one of the things you can't do really in a brewery is have a remote or hybrid environment. You need people to show up to brew the beer. You need people to show up to serve the beer to customers. Um, so the things, the dials you can turn uh, with regards to how you work um, are, are going to exist that same way. Um, so that means you're going to have to do other things for retention, like um, putting in place 401k plans or health insurance plans or other benefit plans uh, whereby you can, um, kind of fill, you know, that cup up a little bit more of things you can provide that employee. Um, and more and more small breweries are doing that um, because they see that need and see that some employees want. Uh, and if they want to retain those employees, they need to do that. So I think that's a big key thing that's coming up here um, is if you're not, if you don't have a robust, a robust uh, uh, benefits package, that will hurt you in the long run uh, because, uh ultimately that is going to cause uh, employees to leave because other breweries are doing that. Right. And so um, we're working, we worked with one brewery over the past year where they didn't have a kind of full set of benefits. They just had health insurance. Uh, and now they got 401k, they have dental, they have vision, um, they have a commuter benefit plan, they have a FSA, they got an HSA plan with their health insurance. And so they have all these other benefits now that are in play, um, which then makes them more attractive to um, employers, uh, employees um, that are looking for jobs. And, um, and that's really started to help them with their retention rates as well. Um, Again, retention is important, right? So it's not just bringing people in, it's keeping people there. Uh, and one of the things we've seen is looking at some data sets is that um, for our brewery clients, their long-term employees, so employees that have been with them for more than a year, um, have stuck with them longer uh, than employees that are relatively new, right? So employees they've hired in the last year have turned a lot more quicker than their historical averages. And so, uh, again, we want to take steps to increase retention. So, um, you know, beyond benefits, that means creating the right culture and things in place um, where employees feel valued, they feel cared for, they feel taken care of um, in, in the brewery in that business setting, right? And so um, if you're not investing in your culture and not investing in your benefits and not investing in that kind of um, people functionality within your brewery, that's where there's, you can start to lose people. Or if you are investing, that's where you're going to start to gain the right people in and, and get people to stick around longer um, as a result there. Uh, and then also, you know, you know, when it comes to benefits here, um, you know, trying to find things that can add more value uh, it becomes important, right? So um, retirement benefit plans are a good one because it's not just covering a benefit for today, it's really covering a benefit for the future uh, and providing tax benefit and additional pay, you know, with their uh, matches. And so um, that really helps. And, and what Gusto has found is uh, businesses that have retirement plans in place, so a basic 401k, which you can do very, very cheaply now um, to put into play, um, substantially reduce their 12-month 
uh, attrition risk, uh, which is huge, right? So, um, you know, you can't do other things that our business can like remote and hybrid work, but simply just putting a retirement plan in place um, pays huge dividends. And, and Gus has seen that in their data and we're seeing it with our client data uh, that those businesses that have retirement plans in place, those breweries that are doing that um, are doing much better with retention than breweries that don't. Oh, let's talk about the, the, the consumer confidence part because that's where we now run into this issue and, and what's making this economic condition so hard is it's really hard to get people in there, but then the consumer attitude is all over the board here, right? So uh, right now the consumer sentiment is at a historic low um, and buyers are feeling very squeezed. Uh, and, and sometimes I, they are more squeezed than they realize. And sometimes they're also, they see things in the macroeconomics that, um, make them feel like they're more squeezed, right? So um, one of the biggest, you know, kind of commodity things that people are, are very aware of um, is gas prices, right? And so um, you know what the gas prices are because you drive down the road, you see gas stations, see those prices, and you see those things, you know, pop up and uh, be more expensive. Uh, obviously, that gives you some pause and, and makes you, you know, a little bit more leery. Um, and so, but that's a, a a basic commodity price point that is kind of in your face on a regular basis, right? So the general consumer isn't looking at what the price of the barrel of oil is on a regular basis or what is the um, grain prices or, or things like that, but they do see gas prices. And so um, that I think really impacts that consumer sentiment. Um, and as you even seen that graph in the chart there, right? You see it really kind of bottom out at the beginning of the summer. Now it's picked back up. And the kind of correlation there is gas prices are starting to come down. And so Consumers are getting a little bit, uh, you know, feeling a little bit better about things, um, even though, you know, things in the overall economy haven't shifted that much. Right? Inflation hasn't changed really at all over the summer, um, but people have seen the gas prices change. And so that is their kind of North Star, North Point to figure out, okay, if they feel confident enough in the market or not. Um, and so right now you have a basically um, consumer sentiment building really low, um, significantly low. I mean, the last time it was that low. Um, was, you know, in the height of the Great Recession in 2008, 2009 time period, right? Um, and, and we were basically, you know, below those periods, um, you know, uh, at the beginning of the summer. Now, again, that's picked back up a little bit, um, but it's it's still been hard, right? And so you have that one kind of thing going on with consumers. And then you have the other thing is they're not changing their spending habits, which is, um, you know, kind of surprising, right? And so some of that is, you see, just in that chart there, um, spending habits changed significantly in the beginning of 2020, um, really kind of close through through that uh, 2020 year in the first year of the pandemic, uh, because people weren't going out, they weren't spending money, they were saving money, and then they had additional stimulus coming in as well, um, that kind of further increased their savings there, right? So um, currently, spending is keeping up with inflation, um, and it's, you know, as the kind of chart goes here, uh, people aren't changing their actual spending. Now, they will change what they spend on, but their spending levels actually aren't changing. So you have this weird dichotomy right now of people think the economy is really bad, um, but they're not changing how they spend. And, and part of this is going to be due to um, you know how long can this inflation kind of uh, bubble happens here. Um, you know, the longer inflation's at these high levels, uh, um, that may further push people to reduce their spend. Um you know, as well as other changes in the economic environment, right? A lot of what they're spending right now is built up from personal savings. Um, and so, uh, you know, how the next couple months shakes out, we're really kind of 
determine if we go into that recession territory or not. Um, because if the spending keeps up, then we're probably gonna be okay because you know inflation looks to tail or this kind of at its peak right now. Um, and we'll look the tail here. And so um, if people continue to kind of spend through it effectively, uh, spend through inflation, uh, this kind of inflationary period, uh, we probably won't hit that recession uh, that you think we're at or potentially at. Um, now, what this does mean, though, is there could be some demand softness coming up here. Um, and I know brewers have kind of struggled this over summer. Summer has been soft, particularly the front half of the summer uh, over the latter half, and at least in the breweries that we are looking at right now. Um, you know, the first kind of, you know, the May, June time period was kind of rough and below expectations. Um, August picked back up. July was kind of at expectations. July, August has been better. Um, but there can be some demand softness, right, um, in, in what people are going to spend and how they spend their money and, and what choices they make, right? So, again, they may continue to spend the same amount of money. They may choose, though, now how they're spending it, right? And so maybe less on kind of luxury or kind of uh, things that they don't necessarily need and more on what they do need because those costs are going up uh, as a result, right? And so, um, you know, again, we'll see how that consumer expectations look in the next couple uh, months here and see how those are changing here, right? And if we do get a situation where kind of savings is run dry and now spending is soft enough, that will probably accelerate uh, as closer to recession there. Um, you know, prices have stabilized. Again, inflation's kind of you know, it's at its peak, but it's not growing really as much anymore. Um, and with rising wages, again, that spend is still happening there. Um, you know, as you as a brewery, what you want to kind of do is look at, okay, what are my current cash sources? And there are other things I can do um, to help prop that up, right? So if things do um, soften in demand and we're starting to see, you know, maybe a bad end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, um, what can we do there, right? So looking at different tax credit opportunities, SBA loans, um, other grants that become available. So a lot of state and local grants from the pandemic have taken a while to actually get set up and now are starting to get set up uh, in some locations. And so um, there's still some pandemic money out there. Um, it's just taking some time, especially if it's been kind of allocated on the state and local levels for it to actually be um, put into play. So especially around like if you have a brew pub and restaurant uh, type situation, there's some funds upcoming here uh, at different state levels. I know we have that in Illinois. Um, and it, it's going to be likely in other states too, where you start to see some more grants come up here, um, especially as you know leisure and hospitality struggle. Um, we'll, we'll see some more of that uh, happen at the state and local level. Uh, and so, the big question is: Will there be a recession? Right. So, um, if you look at kind of when recession has happened in the past, um, you usually have these kind of troughs that happen. Um, uh, and you see those kind of troughs happen in, you know, where those blue bars are at on the graph. Those are recessionary periods. Um, and you see right before those blue bars, a real kind of tank here um, in the 10-year Treasury constant maturity, uh, less the three-month Treasury constant maturity. And so we're seeing a little bit of that tank. We're not seeing it at the levels of 2008-2009 or, um, you know, 2001-ish time period, right? And so... Uh, you know, we're not seeing that 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 precipitous drop. It is lower, um, and so if there is recession, it's going to be mild. But again, we may be in a situation where, um, you know, we don't have the recession because of the labor market and because of consumer spending uh, the way it is right now. Uh, so, what do we do about that? Right. So, I think one of the big concerns brewery owners have and, and questions we got from our clients is, what do we do with the recession? 
is recession going to be bad for us? Is it good for us? What should we do to be doing differently? Um, and I think the big thing you can do, and we'll talk about some of this in, in a little bit here, is how can we actively, you know, make plans uh, and monitor what's going on, right? So um, I think one of the things the pandemic did for a lot of breweries is got them more hyper-focused on their financials and their cash positions and cash flow uh, management. And so those same skills learned in the pandemic, right? We can't lose those now. We have to pay attention to that uh, and continue that on here, right? So things can change, right? We may get spikes. There may be, you know, some sudden softness in demand, a couple of sudden softness in uh, hiring, right? And things change uh, on a dime. And uh, if we get those softnesses happening both in labor and demand um, for consumers, then that may accelerate us to a recession. Um, and so we have to be kind of kind of vigilant here as kind of what's going on, how we kind of manage this. Um, I think a big one of this too is, is focusing on um, how we optimize value as a brewery versus minimizing costs, right? So um, what we don't want to do is overcorrect in the situation. So, and you're seeing some breweries and some businesses take this tack where it's, I think recession's coming. So we're going to pull back. We're going to pull back on growth. We're going to lay off people. We're going to cut costs where we can. Um, and those things are, can be good practices, but if we're just cutting costs for the sake of cutting costs and, um, you know, that may get us into a person where we've overcorrected. And then when things turn and we're not in the right position now, um, we may actually hurt our business uh, as a result there. So, um, you know, paying attention to that, I think, is is, is vitally important uh, in there that we don't want to overcorrect um, and really want to think about the long run. And any of things you do in your brewery, uh, you want to have that North Star is, is where is your brewery going? What's your plans for the next three years, five years, 10 years? Um, and we want to focus on that, right? And uh, the economy is going to shift, you know, for the good and for the bad, right? And so if we start to deviate from that North Star and just kind of dance based on kind of short-term economic conditions, we're actually going to do more damage to our business um, there. So we want to kind of think about the long run, think the long term, uh, and make our decisions based on that, not based on, okay, what is these, you know, kind of shifting sands in the economy um, that may be weak now, but maybe great a year from now, or maybe worse a year from now. So let's think about this, particularly into the impact of breweries, right? So that was pretty broad um, kind of economic analysis. And again, thanks to Gus, though, for putting all that together. Um, they did a really great job of kind of pulling all that data uh, and making it digestible there. So uh, we think about this from a brewery issue, right? You got to think about, okay, what's currently happening in breweries and how can we fix and adjust there, right? So um, obviously staffing issues are a big concern. Um, and so that's one thing. And then it's this consumer sentiment that's been kind of all over the place. Again, I think some breweries have seen you know, drop-offs where they expect the gains and, and, and vice versa. And so um, trying to make sure that we, we kind of figure out what's going on and, and think about, okay, from the, the general sense of beer, are we kind of immune to some of this stuff, right? And are we making too much out of the economy uh, when we're really shutting here? So um, again, staffing is really hard. Um, and we're again, seeing that staffing be uh, continually hard here. But I think the big part here is um, how do we uh, ensure we have the right staff in place. And I think in the short run, that means investing in benefits, investing in culture, investing in increased salary rates, um, providing raises and bonuses to our current staff uh, to keep up uh, with inflation. Um, and we're going to kind of you're kind of kind of have to eat it a little bit um, when it comes to staffing uh, because we're just going to have this increased cost in the short term. But the long term aspect is we need staff to work with us and continue with us in the, in, you know, 
not just for now, but a year from now. Uh, and we want to make sure we're in position to have the right quality staff. And so, um, you know, being really diligent around the hiring retention process, I think becomes um, a big part of this um, and, and ensuring that we're doing the things today that sets us up for success in the long run too. So um, while that may mean more costs now, when we really don't want to have more costs because, you know, our cost of ingredients are higher, our cost of packaging is higher, all of our other costs that we have are higher. Um, the one thing we have big control over is labor. You know, you may want to kind of think to air of like, okay, well, I don't want to increase things too much or not invest in benefits now, but it's actually probably the time to do it. Um, because if we can't retain staff and we can't hire the right people and the right seats in our brewery, we're going to struggle to exist and grow in the future. Right. And so, um, you know, paying attention to that, I think is, is really critical and important and um, making sure you have good dialogue with your, with your staff and understand, okay, what are we doing? What makes sense for you? Right. Like, so before you just start throwing benefits at them, you know, survey your staff and say, okay, what, what benefits would you like if we added them or what benefits do we don't currently have that we would, would like to have and see what that sentiment is uh, because we can kind of align to what people are wanting. Then that obviously again helps with retention and culture uh, in your brewery and makes it so that those um, the, the brewery staff, you know, can really feel like they are, um, you know, they're able to, to stay at your company in the long run. Um, another big thing with staff is, is its impact on customer experience, right? And we've all been to restaurants and places where they are short staff, things take longer, food quality is not as good, the experience is not as good. Uh, and a big thing that keeps people coming back to a brewery is that experience that they have. And so um, thinking about your own kind of what's the customer experience uh, kind of cycle in your, your brewery. So when someone comes into the tap room, you know, how are they greeted? What is that experience you want them to have uh, and ensuring that happens even when you don't have all the staff in place to do that. So, um, you know, thinking about what that that looks like, right? And so um, that may mean kind of shifting how staff work and shifting how uh, you may have done things in the past, right? So um, seeing a lot more of, you know, the scan barcodes at the tables and having, you know, orders done through your phone and then get delivered to your, your table, um, you know, well, that may be more efficient. Does that provide a great customer experience there or not? Um, or if we do that, how can we elevate the customer experience in another way, right? So do we have people checking on them and making sure they're doing okay and things like that um, when we kind of automate the ordering process, uh, you know, at their tables? And so think about that from an experience perspective that we want to make sure that we can provide good service and, and get beer sold and have people come back and again and again. Uh, but we don't want to get in a situation where in doing so and trying to automate the human element out that we've actually created a poor experience um, and that, cons that that consumer doesn't come back in uh, to our brewery. Another thing around consumer sentiment is, um, you know, when we have kind of a recessionary environment, um, it's more likely that customers will trade off expensive good for less expensive alternatives, right? Um, so they won't change their consumption pattern per se. Uh, but they will, um, they will change what they buy. Right. And so, um, again, we saw that, consu that low consumer sentiment that's kind of hangs over, um, you know, hangs over the current economic environment, even though consumers are spending. Um, but what they're likely going to do is continue that spending level, but change what they buy. Right. And so, um, one of the things they're going to do is make that trade off. 
Uh, and now for craft, what that means is for craft beer, what's that trade-off going to be, right? It's likely that a craft beer drinker isn't going to trade off to Miller Lite, though they could, um, or a kind of a, you know, a macro brand. Um, but they may change the type of style they drink, right? So maybe they were, you know, were really kind of, um, excited about the demand of like a double IPA or those kind of heavier, um, you know, milkshake, you know, stouts or pastry stouts or things like that, right? Where, um, you know, those were more heavier, they're bigger alcohol type things, and now they're trading down a little bit. Uh, and there's more demand for basic styles, right? So, um, and kind of understand that commuter, com that consumer sentiment, how are we kind of shifting how we brew or what we brew there um, to keep that up, right? So, um, you know, a lot of breweries have different lineups of what they sell and there are many different styles they're focused on. But uh, one of the things you may want to think about is, okay, if we're trading, if a consumer's trading down to a less expensive alternative, how do we provide that? Is there um, is there a beer in our portfolio right now that we can kind of angle them to that maybe, um, you know, they haven't tried before or maybe now is, is a better fit for them, right? And so um, we're also seeing that from a demand of, you know, more of that core style or that core lineup um, because that consumer may, you know, with a core lineup, um, they find that that beer they like will come back again and again and again versus, well, I really like that beer, but now I came to your brewery and you have a bunch of different stuff and that isn't that. So that may make me not want to come the next time. Right. So um, to the extent you can't have kind of those regular core beers um, where, you know, consumers like them and they come back and again and again for that. And so uh, we're starting to see breweries pivot more to that, um, having more of those flagship type beers. Um, they're always on tap versus kind of switching things out all the time and kind of chasing fads or chasing what's kind of currently uh, hot out there because um, again, as consumer sentiment shifts, they're going to kind of shift back to basics here. Um, and, and having that steady lineup is important to not only, um, you know, get that, that consumer to trade into that beer, but then also to keep on buying that beer because they know it's available. Um, this also may push them to purchase more from retailers than on-premise. Um, if they're trying to lower costs, they may go and buy that six pack from the retailer uh, versus showing up and having a couple pints at your um, at your uh, establishment. And so um, understanding that trade-off too, right? Uh, um, and ensuring that you can meet that demand and it is important. So um, to the extent that you are really kind of focused on the tap room and on-premise experience um, and doing limited self-distribution, kind of see how those are playing out in the next you know month or two and seeing if there's more demand there than uh, what you expect and making sure you can fulfill that um, to see where your consumer is going. Um, and then making sure you focus more on bringing people into the tap room. So that may mean more activities you're doing um, to bring people in. So different events that you have, live musicians, game nights, trivia nights, whatever that may be, right? Um, you know, when that consumer is looking to maximize their value of the dollar, um, going to your tap room and having a couple of beers while also listening to musician provides additional value versus just going there um, and doing that. If there's no nothing else drawing them in, um, they're more likely to make that trade to drink at home versus at your brewery, right? And that's obviously going to change um, that profit dynamic there. And so um, that's another place where we've seen you know some breweries start cutting costs around marketing, especially around you know events and doing things like that because there are costs associated there. Um, but those things are actually really important to make sure people have an experience in your tap room, uh, and, and they want to kind of maximize that experience. So the more that they can do there, or more they can experience there, the better. Again, the question is, is beer immune, right? So um, in 
past recessionary cycles, right, beer has actually done well, um, you know, and it's one that gets traded into if a consumer normally drank whiskey or, or rum or things like that, which kind of trade down to a cheaper alcohol alternative, right? Um, and so general beer does well um, in a recession, but you actually has to be the right type of beer, right? So if your brewery is just constantly cranking out double IPAs and pastry stouts, right, that's not going to probably cut it right now. And so you have to think about, okay, what are the things I can put in play um, that allows me to still get that beer consumer just with a different beer or a different type of beer that um, is ultimately, you know, maybe even less expensive for us to brew um, and gives us better margins as well, right? And so um, thinking about it from that cost perspective too, I think it's important. Um, but the big thing is, you know, identifying what lessons we learned in the pandemic. So as people change their um, buying habits and their attitudes in the pandemic, right, um, they're likely going to return to those sentiments in a recession. Um, and so what do you do to make sure that you can, you know, weather that storm uh, and take those lessons learned uh, from the pandemic to, to learn into this uh, potential recessionary situation. Um, and then also making sure you're understanding to identify and change in appetites of the consumer. So um, monitor this, like, you know, and I'm sure a lot of you do this already, but if you're not monitor your taproom sales um, and see, okay, are we getting a lot more people buying, our, you know, our golden ale versus, you know, maybe our IPA. Uh, and is there a shift there where people are shifting down to, you know, maybe the cheaper beer on our menu uh, versus one that's a little more expensive. And so if we're seeing that shift or that change, right, we're kind of getting that taste or that early indicator that consumer sentiment has changed here. Uh, and we need to be able to adapt to that. So we're not just putting a bunch of IPAs on uh, our taps that aren't selling. Um, instead, we're putting the beers that are are going to sell on the taps. Um, and we're putting the right things in front of the consumer uh, that they're actually looking for. So how do we put our brain in the best position here going forward, right? So um, in doing this and kind of thinking through how we, we best do it, um, you know, it's important to kind of, again, take lessons learned, but also... Um, Put a put yourself in the position to succeed here, right? Uh, and and try avoid the panic that can happen where we think the sky is falling and we start to make decisions um, that deviate from our north star and deviate from what we're trying to accomplish uh, in our in our brewery, right? So there's really kind of four things that you can do to put yourself in the best position. Um, we'll talk through these four items here um, uh, in, in detail, but I think it's important to again position yourself for success. Um, cause there's gonna be a lot of breweries that don't and, um, you know, start to retreat or make decisions that they may feel good in the short term, but actually are going to be bad for them in the long term. And so, um, you want to capitalize on maybe some of that as well, if you position yourself in the right way. Um, so again, pricing is a big one. Um, you know, we've been talking with our clients about pricing for over a year now of increase your price, increase your price. And I think there's a lot of hesitation, increasing price, um, you're not sure how people are going to adapt to that. If people are going to like that, not like that. Um, and the reality is when we see breweries increase their price, they're not seeing a change in the van. Um, and so, you know, while consumers are being price sensitive, um, you do have to take in consideration your costs have increased, right? We talked you know, a bit about labor cost increases and, and further than that increase, um, as well as all the other material costs increase that you've had and other costs for um, other things you purchase, um, you have to adjust your pricing accordingly, right? And so um, I think the concern that breweries have to have adjusted their price and now they're like, okay, well, inflation's high, economy's maybe not great, I don't want to increase price because I may lose consumers and then I'm in trouble. 
um, there are ways you can adjust here, right? Um, and you don't have to take all of these ways, but you can do some of them, right? And so um, the first one is kind of the shrink inflation way of maybe we're gonna keep our price for that beer the same. We're gonna sell you our IPA for $7, um, but instead of it being a 16 ounce pour, it's a 12 ounce pour, a 14 ounce pour, um, where we're reducing the amount, what we're giving them, but keeping the price the same, right? And so, um, you know, that does, you know, from a psychology perspective, the, the consumer thinks prices haven't changed, even though what they're getting is less. Now, from a business owner perspective, I mean, that's not what you want to do because what you, you know, you don't want to create a situation where your consumers are getting less and then they're upset about that. And that creates a poor experience. Um, but it may be important to think about that too. And this is also gets into, um, if you're not willing to change the price point, look at the cost associated with what you're, you're, you're doing there. Right. And if, you know, certain beers are more costly now they have in the past based on different ingredient costs or uh, things like that. You need, may need to change up um, how you think about pricing around those. Um, I think one thing that could work really well and we've seen work well in breweries is offer up more optionality in purchasing uh, for your clients or for your customers. And so maybe it's a standard price, right? This beer is eight bucks, this beer is seven bucks. Um, there's not a whole lot of differentiation there, you know, uh, but now maybe we start to offer that, right? So um, and this goes beyond just doing taster pours or, or flights of beer, um, doing half pours or things like that, right? Where um, that consumer can, you know, may want to try a couple of beers, but because of the cost, right? They don't want to go all in on a 16 ouncer. Um, so maybe offering an eight or a seven uh, where they can, you know, get more than a taster, but and but less than the kind of a full pour um and the way you price that is if we're say we're pricing that 16 ounce at seven bucks we may price the eight ounce at four dollars or five dollars and so if they buy two of those right obviously that's more than the price they pay on the 16 um but if they want to try different things or or kind of that searching pattern again right that may help in that um uh, and may get more people again to try things out or, or purchase um because they can buy more in theory, even though they're getting lesser pours. Um, so that's another way to create some like, you know, optionality. And this is common in a lot of places where you do three, three tier pricing. Um, and so trying that in your own brewery um, with different sizes, if you're not currently doing it, can be, can be helpful and um, actually bring you more revenue as a result. And the third thing is creating a subscription to your brewery. So I know a lot of breweries have done mug clubs or, or things like that. This is a little different concept in that uh, you want people to actually subscribe to the brewery and not just, you know, yeah, you're in a mug club, you get a discount when you come in and, you know, we have a mug club party once a year and things like that, right? Um, it's actually where they're actually subscribing to a purchase of a beer allotment um, every month, right? So whether that is they come in and you know you know they their subscription gets them three 16 ounce pours a month um what that does is one they've already kind of prepaid for it so if they don't use it they don't use it right and that's revenue in your pocket um but what it does get them to do is come in on a regular basis and use what they've already pre-purchased right so um and in doing so they're likely to spend more money as well right so they may come in and and have you know one of their 16 ounces but they may try a you know a taster of a higher alcohol beer or, or something else too or they may buy a four pack to go or six pack to go and uh and so that really can help out too um and i think that becomes important as well um because that will actually you know get people in um and do that and so you can again experiment you know obviously you have to be careful with local laws on how you do that but um you know, I've started to see some breweries do this and that actually works out really well um, because it gets people to come in over and over and uh, over again um, as a result. 
Uh, and again, you can experiment with how you do the subscription too, right? So uh, maybe it's not for actual pours, but it's for to-go beer or uh, it's for a crowler or for something else, or maybe it changes up on a monthly basis or uh, even in that uh even in that subscription, um, they may get access to a special beer um, uh, before the public gets access or things like that, right? So um, building in ways where that gives them benefits, right? You see wineries do this a lot um, with their wine clubs where you know they're sending wine out or they're um, encouraging people who own that wine club membership to come to their winery on a regular basis. Um, not only does that get that right recurring revenue stream, it actually gets people to spend more money uh, with your establishment as a result. Costs. Let's think about costs, right? So one of the things you don't want to do is walk away from this and start cutting costs willy-nilly because that's not going to be helpful. Um, and again, that may take us away from ultimate goals. So um, first we want to do is kind of break out our costs into different buckets and because some of that stuff we can have more control of than others, right? So um, first thing is be clear on your direct material costs, right? So in your recipe formulations and the costs that go into that beer, um, be clear on what that actually is, how that prices, that cost has changed and see if there's ways to make alternatives to that. So uh, maybe it's bulk, pri bulk purchasing. Maybe it's uh, realizing that, yeah, we use this ingredient, but we have a lot of waste uh, when we do that. And so um, how do we reduce that stuff? So being more, con you know, having more kind of controls around uh, your inventory and making sure that you're using what you're using um, and we're not running into overruns or waste uh, is important. And, but also looking at your purchasing power uh, and determine, okay, are we actually getting the best price for these ingredients or is there other vendors that can, uh, you know, potentially beat that price, right? And so uh, your vendors, the people you're buying raw ingredients from are having their same pressures, right? And so they want to ensure that they're continuing to sell um, and to the extent that they can get you to buy more from them, they're going to reward that. Um, and for those that want your business, right, they may be willing to discount um, in order to get that. And so, you know, you may have used the same suppliers and you're kind of comfortable with that, but um, don't hesitate to kind of shop around a little bit and see what else is out there um, and just see what else ways we can kind of kind of minimize that cost there the best we can. Because um, not only that will help us understand that cost of the beer and help us with the pricing on that beer uh, if we need to increase prices, uh, but it also lets us kind of say like, hey, if we want to shift our consumers into a, a different style of beer or get them more focused on uh, one of our beers with big, bigger margins, we can we know what those are. We can uh, you know kind of train them, our, our consumers to buy that beer over maybe our ones with our lesser margins because uh, we want that, that, that profit margin is just going to go to profitability um, at the end of the day. We also want to make sure we understand our overall cost structure. So um, again, this is not a let's go cut costs. Let's understand what our costs are. Um, you know, pay attention to the financials you have. If you're not having regular bookkeeping done and you're not getting regular monthly financials, make sure you're doing that. Um, you want to keep tabs as to what's happening, the trends that you're seeing in your cost, um, because those things are shifting and you're not aware of how they're shifting. Um, you may, may be too late to make some changes that you need to make there. So um, we want to make sure that you kind of understand your costs in total um, and understand, okay, if we are going to make some cuts or some changes that we're making them more strategically and not just kind of cutting things because we think those are the most expensive or the ones that are easier to cut. Uh, we also want to make sure that that uh, when we think about those costs, look at different opportunities and things we can do to adjust there, right? So, um, you know, maybe we can change, you know, that particular vendor with a different pricing structure, or, uh, you know, maybe we can think about 
um, you know, how we can get the most out of that cost, you know? So when it comes to things like marketing, for instance, you know, really understand what's that return on investment we have in marketing and making sure those dollars we spend on marketing, which are critical to us bringing customers in the door and getting our beer sold, um, are actually returning the right thing. And so, um, you may have had more of a kind of a, a spray and pray approach when it comes to marketing and just kind of throwing a bunch of things out there and hoping for the best. Um, I think this is a time to really understand that cost a bit more and, and see, okay, well, what things we do in marketing works better than the others. Uh, so you can best uh, determine, okay, how we best spend those dollars. Uh, and then the last one here is to track those labor costs. We know they're going to be higher. Um, we know those are going to increase, um, but be cognizant of that, right? And so um, all these costs are costs we have to understand and absorb and Ultimately, that influences our pricing decisions too. So um, going back to that pricing slide, understanding our price and how we do pricing, uh, you know, becomes really important. If we don't have that cost information, then we're just kind of guessing. Uh, and that's not, this is not the time to guess. This is the time to be really kind of in tune with how we are, uh, how we're pricing things. And then going along with pricing cost is cash flow. And so uh, being real crystal clear about your cash flow and understanding your cash flow does not mean you just look at the balance of your bank account. That is the wrong way to look at it. And that's usually getting you into more trouble than good. Uh, and so understand your cash flow, what's coming in, what's coming out, what's the cycles on those. Uh, when we sell through uh, wholesale, what is the, the days outstanding in our AR? Uh, and, and how can we improve that and put that money in there, right? Uh, when it comes to payables, making sure you have tracking on all of our bills outstanding and they make plans and how we wanna pay it. So we're not just paying things um, because they came in or it's the first bill in, so it's the first one I pay out. Um, but we actually pay those more strategically based on um, the terms that they give us, right? So those net 30, net 45 terms are important because that just helps us um, better manage cash flow as a result of that. And so um, one of the things we did with our clients uh, uh, during the pandemic that worked out well was look at kind of 12-week cash flow uh, forecasts in the future uh, to say, okay, how do can we best um, manage cash, right? So we're thinking about, okay, we have some bills to pay. When are we paying those bills? Um, how do we manage that when we know we have payroll to do and we have money coming to the door and we're timing things out the right way? Um, because when things get rough in the economy and, and let's say sales decrease, right? We want to make sure we are, you know, using our money in the best way possible. And so putting those 12 week cash flow um, forecast out um, are helpful. It helps us see if there's issues in the future. Uh, where maybe there is some softness in, in, in income and cash that we have to think about and uh, best plan for. And it's a lot easier for the plan for those and, and, and figure out those problems in advance versus realizing you can't don't have cash to make payroll on Friday. And, and now you're scrambling trying to um, trying to fix that and you're you're investing your own money into the brewery to kind of cover that. Right. That gets into a real snowball issue of, of poor cash mismanagement. Um, and is only going to lead to ruin there in the future. So um, really pay attention to that. And again, don't just stare at your bank balance because that's not going to give you an accurate uh, sense as to what your cash flow looks like. Uh, the final one here is the kind of zag when everyone zigs, right? So um, a lot of businesses and some of the top businesses in the country, they got to where they got because when the recession came, they actually positioned themselves in the right spot. Uh, and took advantage of the economic situation to their benefit, right? So they didn't let the economic situation um, dictate how they ran their business. They they did the reverse. And so um, there's going to be a lot of breweries that are going to zig here, right? They're going to retreat. They're going to freak out again, right? Like they may throw in the towel because 
they just got done with the pandemic and now they're dealing with the recession and they're just done, right? Like, um, you know, they barely made it, you know, made it out of the pandemic and now this happens and now they, they've given up, right? And so um, this may be the time to zag while your your competitors are, are zigging around uh, and not doing the right, making the right decisions here. So, um, you know, this is not the time to retreat and to kind of inward focus, but it's the time to say, okay, what can we do? Again, think about our, our strategic plan uh, forward. What can we do to help elevate that plan or accelerate where we want to go? Um, so things look out right now, mergers and acquisitions. I've seen more M&A activity in the last six months than I have in a long time uh, in the brewery space. And so uh, whether that is, you know, breweries are going out of business and you're acquiring that one to pick up a new location or at least just new equipment uh, to expand your growth, um, you know, we have a couple of, of uh, acquisitions that are going to close here in the next week with our client base. And so, um, and those were different, very different than how they went about it. But um, basically they saw an opportunity to pick up, you know, either strategic assets or strategic IP or strategic locations um, for their growth um, and, and take advantage of that, even though the economic situation wasn't, isn't the kind of rosy situation you would normally think to do that in. Um, this actually may be the time to do that. Um, if your if your strategy is really dependent on taproom sales, going into multi locations is important too. Um, you know, so as a recession happens, what you end up seeing is a lot of softness um, in in rents, uh, especially in kind of retail spaces where businesses have closed up and left. Um, this may be the time to think about okay, maybe I move in and do a uh, that second location or that third location that I wanted to do. Um, and we're seeing in breweries, you know, really advance those plans right now. The ones that are being strategic, advance those multi-location plans. Um, and then look at opportunities to diversify, right? So um, whether that is getting into new business lines, uh, you know, a lot of people gone to try the hard seltzer or other routes like that, but are there business lines that make sense to your brewery um, that would fit in nice? Uh, and is this the time to look into those? Um, or is it, again, uh, uh, ways where you can diversify through, um, you know, maybe offering up contracting uh, opportunities or things like that. So uh, look at ways we can bring in new revenue into the brewery, because again, that's ways we can ensure our survival and do the things we want to do. And so, um, you know, where again, where some breweries may freeze up and not make those decisions or kind of put their head in the sand, um, this is the time to to make those decisions. And we saw uh, breweries that did that during the pandemic, where a lot of breweries kind of froze up and wasn't sure what to do and didn't do anything um, or um, did things that were kind of that, you know, hurt their long-term success. Um, we saw breweries that actually did things that helped their long-term success. And, and, you know, really they grew their brewery as a result because they took advantage of that opportunity where breweries um, were kind of seeing in that opportunity to them. Um, they took advantage of it and, and it really helped grow their brewery. So think about that. Think about your long-term plans of what you want your brewery to be uh, and determine, okay, are there ways we can help accelerate that now based on what's going on, right? So um, there's going to be plenty of brewery closures that will happen, recession or not. Um, uh, people kind of packing up shop and being done or, uh, you know, finally thrown in the towel here. And so um, does that provide opportunities for your growth uh, where you can do a turnkey solution or at least get the type of equipment you need to grow uh, the way you want to grow? So that we're kind of at time here or kind of ended up at time. Um, so uh, I don't know if we'll have any questions right now, but 
Um, if you do have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I know this is kind of a lot of breweries have a lot of questions and what's going on and how should you best prepare. Um, we're happy to have those conversations with you and kind of talk about what we're seeing in the market uh, and what we're seeing that's working and not working. And so um, really leverage the experience of us working with over 100 breweries to your advantage uh, as a result. So um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. I have contact information there, my email on the screen. Um, you know, feel free to shoot me an email. I'm happy to answer those questions to you, um, especially as you you view this uh, and you have those questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and uh, if you're interested at all, uh, at the beginning of the year, we do an event called Unfiltered, uh, which is where we take all of the brewery data that we have from our client base, uh, as well as some of our, our friends in the brewing space and uh, put together a benchmarking analysis report. Uh, that looks at the trends in the industry and trends in uh, different sizes of breweries and breweries doing kind of specific uh, you know, types of operations and saying, okay, what are we seeing here in the marketplace? And um, based on this, what should we do or what do we learn from this? And uh, if you want to participate in that and, and have your brewery data as a part of that, we'd love to have you in that as well. Um, we released all that information kind of the last week of January. We'll do a, a webinar event around that as well, where we kind of talk through that information as well as have some guest speakers uh, as well. So uh, with that, we can wrap up here again. Thank you everyone for joining. Uh, if you have questions, uh, I'd be happy to answer those for you. Uh, shoot me an email and uh, we'll see you next time. If you like this content, please subscribe, share with other craft beer professionals, and give us a five-star review. Cheers. <laughs>